Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, it's playtime again here, Power Partners, at our informational playground, Star Style, be the star you are. Brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are, Literacy and Positive Media Charity. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, empowering women, family, and youth to increase literacy, improve positive media, and give tools for living. Since 1999, consider making a donation today at bethestarur.org. And come visit us at the Moraga Fair coming up on May 10th. The Miracle Moment is from Mahatma Gandhi. If I have the belief that I can do it, I shall surely acquire the capacity to do it, even if I don't know it at the beginning. In other words, you can if you say you can. So believe in yourself. Well, today's show, we're going to be talking in just a minute with Heather is going to talk to us about the ideas of restaurants today, you know, if, how often you go out to eat, is it just for fast food or a gourmet meal, and, you know, is there is there only high-end restaurants or low-end restaurants, or can you get good food at good prices right there in the middle? We'll find out. And what happens to your online data after you die? I mean, we don't want anybody to die, but I think we have to think about the future. It's like your will, because everything from banking to social media to email What's going to happen if you go away? Are there still humans who are going to monitor it? And, of course, spring is sprung, and we got to get ready to upgrade the maintenance on both our bodies and our homes. So I'm going to give you a lot of simple tips to spring forward with a healthier, happier you. Well, Heather, going jumping right into this restaurant thing, going out to eat is one of my favorite um, favorite pastimes. I just, I just have so much fun with it, and I love exploring new places. I am not a fast food restaurant person, but it is true. It seems that 
these days when you go out, there really isn't a middle class kind of restaurant anymore. It seems the middle ground has gotten. It's either things are really inexpensive fast food places or they're very high end. What's uh, what's happening? Are, are places shutting down? Is this yeah, a new trend? Well, you know, just, as, just as you kind of you know, you hit it on the thing is going out to eat. Oftentimes, of course, we know that it's much cheaper to cook at home. But a lot of times, people. Um, you know, maybe they don't have the space to, the time. A lot of people, you know, they choose to go out for either convenience um, or it's a special occasion. You view, you like going out to really nice restaurants. And that's where it kind of becomes what happens to this middle ground thing. And it's sort of the whole phenomenon within um, the United States right now of how middle class is really disappearing, of how it seems to be this huge um, income gap between the very wealthy and then the very poor. And it seems that, you know, this dream of this higher middle class is sinking either way, that people are either, you know, becoming very successful um, or, you know, having falling on really hard times, which everyone knows has been going on. And, you know, that's what the biggest things that um, kind of in this predict this weird phenomenon happening is that um, these middle, you know, middle-of-the-road restaurants you're seeing are going out of business because people either want really quick, really inexpensive, um, or a very high-end, you know, it's a special occasion. They want to, oh, you know, have you gone to this and this restaurant? And there is also that thing of um, when you go to these expensive restaurants, a lot of times people, you know, they're prepared. They know um, they're expecting, you know, their expectations that they are going to be receiving a wonderful, amazing meal at a higher price and oftentimes a much smaller portion, um, which when it comes to these really, you know, small um, you know, cheap and expensive fast food restaurants, people are expecting a lot for a little bit of money and knowing that it's not exactly going to be the healthiest or the highest end or anything. It's just sort of quick food that, you know, they can get it go. They can get 10 things for 10 bucks, that kind of stuff. I'm always so, amazed that there's some people that absolutely live like that, too. I mean, that's the, that is their food. You know what I mean? Yeah, I that's mean, what and we've, we've touched bases on that before of how, um, you know, another phenomenon going on is how people who are really, you know, that would be considered in the poverty um, or just barely making by, you know, paychecks, how there tends to be higher health problems and obesity and diabetes with them. And that's all what, you know, when it relates back to a food cost of it's cheaper to buy a candy bar for 25 cents than it is to buy an apple for 75. So people, um, a lot of times when they're on a very fixed income and they're living paycheck to paycheck, um, it can be uh, more cost-wise for them to go and get fast food, you know, and get things off the dollar menu. Um, and for the most part, you know, they're not nutritious for them. And that's why you see this ob- obesity, you know, uh, heart disease, this higher thing, because they're, they can't really afford to have healthier things. And, and oftentimes, we, you know, we see it in fast food restaurants that now there's been, you know, this push to have healthier things, to offer water or sliced apples instead of fries, or they'll have salads. But oftentimes, um, salads can be even worse than, you know, those big hearty burgers because of all the things that come on it, you know, the cheese and bacon and the heavy dressings. And before you know it, you know, you can have a 30 gram um, of fat, you know, and saturated fat salad, quote, unquote. Um, so, you know, to be really careful of that. But sort of getting back of this middle class thing, there's, you know, when you kind of think middle in the road, those are Olive Garden, uh, Chili's, um, Chevy, those sort of things that are kind of, you know, at a, at a certain price. You know, you might be paying $10 for a burger or something. Um, but, you, you know, 
these places are slowly, you know, sizzler becoming less and less and disappearing. And, um, you know, I feel like it's every week we keep seeing about some kind of uh, company or restaurant that, you know, a huge chain that's been bought out that's going out of business. And the big, and also at the same time, leading up to it, you'll see um, almost a desperate cry. There'll be all these ads. They try to revamp, you know, become hipper, cooler, offering, you know, wine nights or whatever it may be. But people really, you know, because they have that view of it already that I'm either going to spend very little or I'm going to spend a lot, and I don't really want to go to, you know, the Olive Garden or something. And and um, and slowly these places are going out of business. And so what also is happening too it is creating that monopoly um, of people are either going to have to have, you know, very inexpensive of, you know, maybe not the highest quality or health wise of food or very high end, and that's you know those kinds of things you have to save for. Um, so it's really just this whole kind of model of our society right now that we're on, um, you know, these two giant spectrums. And I know with me in general, too, yeah, I'm not um, a fast food person. And I feel, um, you know, that when I do, the only kind of fast food, I guess it would be, is getting like a Subway sandwich or um, Panda Express or something. But those are still even the very few and far between because I feel like I'd rather cook or get something, you know, at the grocery store. Um, or have those really nice meals, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, you know I was going to say uh, something about that too. Here is obviously um, most people probably know San Francisco is considered a food mecca. It's really for foodies, and there are all these pop-ups now. You know, these ones that are just like up for a couple of days that showcase different foods. And San Francisco has been having this influx of millionaires and billionaires because of. The tech industry, and of course, it's actually in a big hoopla now because a lot of people are being forced out of their housing. But I was just reading San Francisco Magazine, and it was—it actually had an article, How to Marry a Millionaire in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it gave the street, um, the, the sections <laughs> of San Francisco, where roughly 1,800 unmarried millionaires live. 1,800, that's oh a lot, God. you know. Um, <laughs> and... And but with that being said, it's cost. Uh, restaurants have been getting more expensive, and the big deal. And I think this. I don't know if it's happening in Middle America, but I know it's definitely on both coasts. Is this whole idea of farm to table, so that things are locally sourced? You know, they're sustainable. They're they're purchased. You know, they buy from farmers as close mm-hmm. to the establishment as possible. Hopefully, within fifty miles. And Alice Waters started this from Chez Panisse, you know, years ago. But because you're getting fresher food and higher quality food because it's from smaller farmers, the price is going to be more. And so that's the issue. That's the hypocrisy of that. You know, the whole thing, it should be that, you know, because you're getting food that's closer and more local, that you're supporting the local economy, there's less cost, you know, for gas, for travel, um, and it's healthier, but as we know, you know, with the farmer's market, with organic food, with farm fresh eggs, what it may be, um, people have to pay more money. And, and again, yeah, a good example uh, of that is, uh, you know, me, I have, a, I have an egg business. I have a little cottage industry that I've been doing for years and years, but I only have a couple dozen chickens. And because I only have that, the chickens lay when they feel like it. So it, co- it costs me a lot of money. And in fact, one of my Araconas, those are the ones that lay the blue eggs. 
She hasn't laid for eight months, and today I got my first blue egg. So think about all those eight months I've been feeding her. So how much you have to charge for your eggs? And I was, I was talking to somebody the other day uh, that was asking what I was charging for a dozen eggs because they said they were walking on a trail, and there was a sign that said, Farm Fresh Eggs, $2 per egg. And that was that was a local, you know, so I think that, that there is a misconception that if it's a small, you know, if it's small and local, it's going to be less expensive. It might be more expensive, but the quality may be much better. Yeah, and, and again, you know, that gets when with everything, quality over quantity and what it's really, you know, what people can afford with it. And, it, you know, it does why with many things that um, – People, you know, are being kind of forced out in this thing of, uh, you know, they either save up a lot to go to these really expensive dinners um, or, you know, they, they go to, you know, these little cheap ones. And people, and it's, you know, a, a choice thing that's happening. Um, a positive phenomenon is one thing is that um, grocery stores in general um, are offering more, you know, organic, more fresher, better, healthier options. And usually, you know, this thing... Um, when you buy it through grocery stores, um, is that, you know, it may seem a lot more, but you're getting a larger portion. The only thing is oftentimes one of the biggest things that goes to waste in households is produce. People, you know, almost kind of buy in bulk, wow, this is only $2, and they buy a giant thing of lettuce. But if it's just you for the week, you might not eat it. Before you know it, you know, you end up throwing out six of the eight bananas because they got, you know, they went bad because you just didn't eat them. So, um, it's really that kind of thing. No one wants to take multiple, you know, um, trips to the store to get that. But really another thing is buying only what you need when you need it um, because otherwise, you know, things do spoil. They go bad, and then it really is just money down the drain. Um, there, you know, the things you could save on with that way. And, and something, too, you know, people just aren't um, happy. You know, there's different initiatives. Um, I, I read something. I think it's the guy that started Trader Joe's is hoping to open um, these kinds of basically these fresh produce stores uh, that sell all the produce. Now, this sounds a little weird, but it's, you know, actually that sell things, because a lot of times when you buy something, it may say sell by a certain day, but it's actually good um, for another five days or, or longer sometimes if you don't own the things. Um, so a lot of times, you know, when uh, grocery stores, once the sell by date has passed, and if some, there's something that says, like, consume by, but if the sell by, they, then they just toss it. They just get rid of it. Um, and, you know, a lot of times it's all this, this produce. So there's this initiative of starting these stores that basically sell um, all, I hate saying spoiled, but all the, the, you know, the very next day sent, you know, putting, filling these stores with all this produce and healthy stuff that's still good um, for people to purchase at a, you know, almost like how um, the dollar store sort of works, that they pick up all these You know, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I actually work with a client who has been part of a, a food nonprofit for years, and what they do, they have three days a week their, their nonprofit, and they go around to places like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and, and, um, and different stores, and they collect all of these things that have a sell-by date. But what they do is they donate, you know, then they deliver them to people, to food banks and to people who need food, people in, you know, they don't charge for it. They're just doing it as a community Which service. It's fantastic. You know, and it's a fantastic more thing. Of that kind of stuff. You know, but with that same thing said, I thought what was interesting, you know, we had um, a couple weeks ago, we all had brunch together, and 
we were asking the waiter, uh, it, what happens to all this oh, food? Oh, yeah, you know? I do remember that. Yeah, when you're at a beautiful buffet and you've got this amazing food, and he made this comment, and it was it made me so sad to think that somebody would do this, that they used to donate all their leftover food every day to mm-hmm. the homeless, and that people could pick it up until they got sued by the, by a couple yeah. of people. And you know, and, and I've I've that's heard really that sad. Be- before. You know, that's something you know. Working in restaurants, of you see the amount of waste um, that goes out of, I, I'm one of those people who know if, if I don't eat it, I want it boxed up. I'm going to eat it later. I'm not weird about leftovers. Um, but some people, you know, they barely touch the thing. They say they, they liked it, but they don't want it. And, you know, I, I hate to see, you see so much that gets wasted or something accidentally gets ordered. Once it goes out there, um, even, you know, it, it can't be resold. You know, it's, it's, almost, it's considered spoiled almost. And, I had actually asked, you know, our owner once, you know, why, why don't, you know, when things go, you know, not to say go bad, but things that don't sell and that we have to get rid of or, you know, send backs, that kind of stuff that, you know, it was a mistake. And they said the same thing, that, you know, it's a commonly known thing that many places used to donate the food, but there's been um, you know, multiple situations of homeless people of suing them. And I feel, you know, I, I feel like that's just so sad because people are trying to do something positive. Right. And, um, I mean, and someone gets, you're you know, taking I, advantage of that. Um, because, right. And there's always going to be somebody who takes advantage, and that's the disappointing thing: is that there are thousands of people out there who could benefit from this extra food, or even giving it to for you know the, the kinds of food like the vegetables and those kinds of things for animals or feed. It seems like there's something you could be that could be done as opposed to just sticking it down the garbage disposal. And if you could do something like that. That getting us back to our middle-priced restaurants. If there wasn't so much waste, I think that prices would be less. Oh, completely. And and you know, and that's something we see too. Of you know, with the the weather, all these things happening. I think it's um, you know, I, I just I think it's such a bummer. And again, you know, it's it's marketing. A lot of places have kind of dug themselves in the hole. It used to be um, that people wanted you know to go to these middle. Again, you know, those the chilies, the soda. And then they kind of started getting that, um, oh, I hate saying like a tacky, but, that, you know, people, that's, it's just something we've created on our own with things that people either want really high end or they want something sort of really cheap. I mean, that's the same thing when it comes to clothes. You, you've seen um, how places that like JCPenney's or Sears, these, all these places, Kmart, that have gone out of business because they are that sort of middle price things that people either want to just get really, you know, cheap clothes from somewhere or they want to have that very high-end brand. And that's just sort of how, you know, America, we've just created this bigger and bigger gap. And um, Is there a it, solution? Know, is there a solution that you can see in the near future? I mean, the only solution, the one solution I see is what I was just saying is finding a way to offset costs by being able to um, you know, feed the hungry or sell sell leftovers or or like you know the Trader Joe guy is wants to do of having yeah a well a positive thing that's been around for a while that I think is is so awesome and I would love to 
you know, we're, we're trying to grow our own little garden here in our house, but many places, especially, you know, in urban communities that um, maybe there isn't a lot of farmland close by, have these um, urban gardens. And, you know, when we were in San Francisco, we saw one of them. And, um, and in San Diego, they have two that basically people, um, because a lot of people don't have, you know, that's another thing, too, um, when it comes to the housing, that people before, you know, everyone used to have houses, and now it's very common um, that people live in apartments, and whether they're high-end ones, but for most people can't afford housing. I mean, we saw the whole, you know, ups and downs of the economy with that. Um, so a lot of people don't have a backyard. They might have a balcony um, or maybe not even that at all. So for people that have that green thumb that, and you want to get out there and want to grow their own produce, they have many in, in urban communities, um, these uh, community gardens that you can basically buy a little plot of land. You know, I'm sure the bigger they are, the more. And you can put whatever. You can put roses. You can put cabbage. You can put all this stuff. And, you know, it's really beautiful to see. You see that um, the love and the care that people put into this. And then, you know, they can harvest their own flowers. They can harvest their own. And oftentimes, you know, people will hold um, almost like a uh, what are the a farmers market kind of thing to sell off all, you know their pro, their products like that um, and, and I think you know that's a really great thing that for a low price people can be part of it and then it also creates a sense of community as well um, and you know perhaps even you know it can become a, a, an additional business for someone so well that's I, think, a, um, I do I'm a I'll huge promoter of gardens in general whether it's one pot on a patio or getting involved in a community garden. Or whatever, but I do think that we all need to participate in growing at least some of our own food and at least some herbs, etc. But this is a good question to ponder, and we'll have to, you know, return to this at some later date because I think that, you know, the majority of people are more on the middle class, and we need to have uh, we need to have uh, food establishments and dining experiences that are for all budgets with the caveat that the food is going to be fresh and healthy. And with what we're finding today, you know, we're not being as healthy as we possibly can. We, America, I think, is one of the most obese nations in the world. So we need to get, uh, we need to get our health on. So, Heather, great segment. Would you give out the websites? Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about what happens to your online data after you expire. And you know, it's something that we really don't think about, and we, we need to find out what's going to happen in cyberspace. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are on the Voice America Empowerment Network. Don't go away. I'll be right back. The star you are. The star you Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you are. 
Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are, you are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the power hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Do you have any idea how many living languages there are in the world? I was reading an article in the Smithsonian, and I was really surprised because I wouldn't have guessed this many. There are 7,105 living languages today. That's not including dead languages, you know, like Greek or, or Latin. These are living languages. 418 is the number of languages and dialects that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights has translated, uh, been translated into, making it the most translated document in the world. That's 418 languages. 18% of Americans are bilingual. It's a lot more than a few years past, which shows that we're definitely becoming a bigger melting pot. However, compare that to Europeans, where 53% of Europeans are at least bilingual, and many are trilingual or even more. Um, there are 14 languages that were invented by Lord of the Rings, author J.R.R. Tolkien. I have no idea how you invent a language. I know we've seen it in, uh, in Avatar and in other movies, so it must be quite, you know, that's really quite something. Uh, there are the estimated number of people who still speak the Nigerian language uh, near, near Europe. There's only six people left. So I wonder if they're going to pass that on. And 50% of languages are expected to disappear in the next 100 years, which means we'll be da- back to just, you know, about 3,500 languages So I thought that was an interesting piece of trivia for us. But let's get to the topic of today because, you know, we plan our estates, we plan our wills, but how often do we even think about what's happening on our financial data, our Facebook posts, our iPod collections, or any of our other digital properties? What happens if we die from banking and social media to email, iTunes, Our lives are really increasingly being lived and stored online. So we upload family pictures to photo sharing sites. We download our favorite books into e-readers. We share stories on Facebook and tweets, you know, on Twitter. But if we die, while the probate courts have established procedures to distribute physical items, only a handful of states have laws that govern the management and inheritance of online property. So unless you make specific plans for your digital afterlife, your digital assets might just be mismanaged 
or they may disappear completely because people don't even think about it. I know I really didn't think about it till I started reading an article about it. People just don't plan for how to handle these assets, and it made me think that I need to go back in and add this to my estate planning. So there is some good news and plenty that you can do now before the unexpected happens to ensure that you know your your fate online in cyberspace is determined and what is left behind for those that you want or is erased. So before you can decide how you want your digital assets managed, you first need to take an inventory of all your accounts. So that simplest way is to write down the websites that you use in a week or a month that require login information and then on a secure document on your computer or on a notepad or in a journal, you need to write down the website, your login name and your passwords. And of course, you do not want to include these. I want to be clear here um, uh, in your will or estate planning because that is a public document. So you don't want that, but you just want to Make sure to specify in the will the location of where the list of all these passwords will be. Now, once you have accounted for all the digital assets, you want to take some steps to protect them. So let's start with the financial data. This is probably perhaps the most important and crucial to your heirs because you're going to maybe have bank accounts, investment accounts, and maybe other services you use to check on those accounts, like you might be using Yahoo or MSN. So you need to specify to your beneficiaries directly what's on the websites and how to get to the financial institutions. So um, you want to make, you know, you want to create a hard copy of this information. Don't just leave it online because then that could, that not only could get stolen, but it may disappear because nobody may be able to get into your computer. So anything that's on your personal computer will become part of the estate and then the estate can access the info and then they can distribute the information that's on it. What they can't do is jump through your computer and to your online accounts without your passwords and user um, IDs. So email accounts, the first step you should is to read the terms of service. Now, I know I don't read them. I don't think anybody does. They're so long and legalese, and they're probably written that way. But still, the documents contain information about what happens to your account when you die. Some email providers might just terminate uh, your account but every on- online account is governed by one of these uh, TOS agreements, and they're all different. So in all cases, it does give you um, a, most of them are a non-transferable license, which means that nobody else can access your account after your, your death. So it's important to remember to let others have your password so they can get in and get whatever they may need. And if you want your heirs to be able to access your email, this is the best way to do it is you, you really have to give them the, inf- you know, the information now. Now, social media accounts, as with email, the rules regarding what happens to your Facebook, your Twitter, your Tumblr, um, your WordPress documents upon your, uh, upon your desk, they're going to be spelled out in these terms of agreements as well. Several social media sites have begun offering additional services, for example, Facebook in 2009 added a feature that allows friends and families to share memories of a deceased loved one on his or her timeline. The service can be activated once the site receives proof that the person's death and then deactivated at a family member's request. Now, last year, Google launched Inactive Account Manager, which allows individuals to designate 
up to 10 trusted friends or relatives as beneficiaries of their online accounts. And that seems like a good idea because you can then specify what you want to happen and you can specify it service by service. Now, what happens to your music or the books you've downloaded? Interestingly, when you download a song from iTunes or a book from Amazon or Barnes & Noble to an e-reader, you don't really own the item. You are really purchasing a license to use the download during your lifetime only. So in some cases, what you think you own and what you actually have a legal right to are, are different. And what that means is some of these things just can't be transferred. So you don't want to promise someone that you're, you're going to give them your iTunes collection before you make sure that it is yours to pass on. And the way you find out if it's yours, you got to read those boring agreements. What about sh- photos? A lot of people share photos on all these different uh, photos, you know, photo sites like Shutterfly and, and Flickr, etc. Well, they are a great way to share the memories of your family, your friends, your vacations, just all the things that happen in your life. But if you want your heirs to be able to access those digital photos after you're gone, it is recommended that you download your favorites and save a copy to your hard drive. And what I'm finding, too, it's not just your hard drive. You really need to make a backup. I just recently upgraded and got a new uh, Mac computer, and I have iPhoto on my old uh, computer, and then there was a new version but interestingly, in translation, in migrating data, I lost a lot of photos in there. Fortunately, I had already backed up the photos onto another hard drive, which doesn't require a pass, uh, password or anything. So I think that's a smart thing to do is from time to time or yearly or whatever is to not just download the programs that would require a password, but to take all of your photos and put them on a, an outside drive, you know, something, a portable storage drive, and you can get them now in that one, two, three um, terabyte. So they can really last a long time because I know photos take up a lot of space. But it, it, by doing this, it's going to make this so much easier for all your treasured images to stay in the family and prevent your loved ones from sorting through thousands of in- images out of, you know, after your death. And you know, I, what I'm noticing now, and I know it's been happening for a while, but I was hoping that we were going to at least keep um, CDs and DVDs because it seemed a good way to store things that is, you know, fairly small and easy, e- easily acceptable, accessible. But now CDs and DVDs are going the way of the dodo bird, too. So all that stuff you have on CDs and DVDs is going to need to be transferred to these portable storage units. So it, you know, it's like the storage keeps changing. We used to have, we used to have um, eight tracks, and and then we had just the this little what are they what were they the little recording discs that um, that you put tape recording discs. You know, then we had videotapes, and when of course we had the beta tapes, and those went away. And you, unless you have a beta a beta player now, you can't use them. And now there's Blu-ray, but there's always going to be something new. And so one of the things I have found is even when you upgrade your, your technology, it's probably a good idea 
to hang on to one of those units that still can play the old stuff so that you're not going to lose any of your data. At least that's what I'm doing, and it's been helpful. So if we want to watch a video, it may not be the best quality, but at least we can see it. So the thing about it is, is you want to be able to recover all of your data, financial and otherwise, after the death of a loved one, or you want your people to be able to uh, to access your material after um, if you have died. So get this all together. Create a master password list. Tell a trusted relative or friend where you've hidden it because in reality, this is really an act of love because after you're gone, you don't want everybody to be hassled about things. It, it would be just horrible to be hassled. Now, just talking about money, I just want to bring one more thing out. I talked about it once before in a show, but I'm going to um, going to t- say it again because it's possible that you may be owed money from the state out there. There's about $42 billion in state coffers waiting for the rightful owners to claim it, and you could be one of them. But it's it's crazy that some people, you know, they move or their addresses get lost, and there's all this money out there. So how do you know if you have money coming to you? There are a couple of websites that you can go to. You don't have to pay anything. You can just check them out. And they'll tell you whether you have unclaimed property. And it's in about 40 states. So it's not all the states. So you can go to missingmoney.com. It allows you to search for your unclaimed property records in 40 states. And then there's unclaimed.org, which allows you to search states individually. And it's important to check out both sites because it, you might find something in one and not in the other one. There are companies that will charge you, and they usually charge a commission of like 20% to do it for you. But it's just a click of a button, and it's so easy. So uh, you could do it yourself. If you don't have a computer, you can call your state's on-claim property office and um, find out if you have anything there. And then, you know, you really don't want to let that happen again. So consider using, you know, one or two banks for all your banking needs and one or two brokerage firms and stay current on your bills and ask for utility deposits to be refunded now rather than waiting till when you move so that if there is money that's owed you, then you get it right away. And the other thing, just make sure that when you are um, to safeguard your money is when you get a check, Instead of just, you know, sticking it in a pile or putting it in your purse or tossing it somewhere on your inbox, cash it right away. Because if you leave a job, uh, you know, or you get a final paycheck or, or you just get busy, you could lose your check. Um, companies go out of business. And if the last day you work is the first day of a new pay period, you likely have two paychecks coming. So you might be missing out on some money if you're not keeping an eye on it. So you definitely, definitely uh, want to do that. So when we come back from break, we're going to spring forward and we're going to find out things that we need to do for some maintenance around our home as well as how to keep our health and our bodies ready for spring with some great ideas. I am Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and we are broadcasting on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, and this show is brought to you under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, a 501c3 
Make a donation today or consider sponsoring one of our events. Go to BeTheStarYouAre.org or check out our creative community at Express Yourself at BTSYA.org. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Everyone wants a formula for success. Working long hours and working harder doesn't spell success. We need to work with maximum effectiveness in order to be most successful. When your personal and business life are in balance, you experience less conflict and definitely less stress. This balance allows you to become more effective and get more work done in less time. You want to plan your work and work your plan. And when you love what you do, there's nothing hard about your career. If you find yourself working longer, you have to get more organized. Delegate the details and don't procrastinate. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For coaching and consultations, call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827 or visit star-style.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, spring has sprung, but are we ready to upgrade the maintenance on both our bodies and our homes? Let's look at how we can be healthier, happier, and get a few tips on spring cleaning and organization around the house for ourselves. First of all, let's start with how to get ourselves a little bit, you know, acclimated to spring. I think everybody gets excited when we start seeing the sunshine and the flowers pop up and the birds are singing and the frogs are croaking. And I do know that in certain parts of the country, there's still a lot of snow and there's rain and mudslides. And, and I know here in California today, we have, we have a storm, but it is definitely spring. So with the clocks turned forward in areas like California, sometimes it kind of gets yourself off. I, I know for me, the first week of having to turn my clock forward, that extra light is at night, as I love it, but the darker mornings, you know, it shifts my sleep patterns and it kind of leaves me groggy and, and tired. So 
you kind of, it takes me about a week or so to adjust to the change. And most studies have shown that there's a significant increase in traffic accidents about following that day when they switch to daylight savings time. So to make your transition a smoother one, here's a few tips that you can do, you know, over the next couple weeks just to kind of ease into spring. So you might want to go to bed and then get up at least 15 minutes earlier. And that means you you want to start eating your meals 15 minutes earlier too because everyday habits like your daily diet influence your internal clock and they keep you on a regular schedule. Plus, having a breakfast immediately after rising helps snap you out of your morning fog. Now, for me, having a breakfast right away as soon as I get up actually puts me back in a fog. I mean, I can't, I'm not even hungry. I can't do it. So I have to drink some water, and then I have to wait for a little while, you know, at least like a half an hour, and then I can have a yogurt or a piece of fruit or something. But I've just never been a big breakfast um, person, but I can do it a couple of hours later. So whatever works for you, you, you need to keep on that routine, but speed it up about 15 minutes. You want to turn on a lamp as soon as you open your eyes because light disrupts the brain's production of the sleep-regulating hormone melatonin. So if the sun is still down or your curtains are drawn or it's stormy out, your body's missing its main cue to come to attention. You want to check your email right away or read the news online. And the reason for that is that blue-spectrum light that's emitted from an electronic device has the biggest effect on melatonin suppression. Bad news if you're trying to go to bed, but helpful when you're trying to roll out of bed. So the same thing that helps you when you get out of bed means keep those electronic devices away from the bedroom and those blue lights because they're not going to help you sleep. If you have an alarm clock, I don't like alarm clocks, but maybe it's better to use an app or one of these nature sounds to wake you up because... When you, um, when you are startled, awake, it actually raises your blood pressure. And if you're still struggling to adjust after a couple of weeks, you might want to go see a doctor because take extra care to keep consistent hours. You might get a sleep disorder or you might be having some other chronic condition since scheduling or disruptions, they exacerbate a sleeplessness. So you want to be careful of that. Now, getting to your home maintenance, here are some things that really need to be done every spring. And I, I don't know what it is about spring, but I get into this super organizing. I have to clean out closets. I go through clothes. I donate things. I'm cleaning up the yard. It just, I feel good. I guess it's just that sunshine coming in. I do want to clean up, and I do want to get organized. But around the house, your roof and your chimney, If you have uh, shingles or roof tiles, you want to get those replaced. You want to repair flashing around vents and skylights and chimneys because that is so important. We had a major problem with no flashing that was installed incorrectly on our home, and it's very costly. If your roof is older, you might want to start saving money to replace it. And if you see any mold on your roof, you want to clean it right away. Have the chimneys examined in the exterior for damage. And then have the flue cleaned and inspected by a certified chimney sweep. And then you'll be ready for next year. The same goes for gutters and downspouts. Replace any loose or leaky gutters. And make sure that the downspouts are clear and they drain away from the foundation, not towards your foundation. If you have siding, brick, or stucco, you can pressure wash the siding to keep the mold from growing. If wood is visible, you want to sand and prime it before you paint it. 
and scrape the peeling paint and sand before painting. And then check bricks and stucco for chipping or bad mortar. Again, here you are. You want to repair or seal with an appropriate sealant. Decks, driveways, and fences. Now, this is something I've been working on, actually, because we had we didn't have rain this winter, is filling in any cracks in the driveway. Because what happens when you get cracks in the driveway, that's where water gets underneath, and then it lifts your driveway even more and cracks more. So make sure that you pressure wash these, look for the cracks, and then fix and repair. Exterior caulking. Inspect all the seals around your windows, your doors, and other openings, and then recaulk if they're deteriorating. And you want to check your window and door sills and the thresholds for cracks and caulk the edges and repaint or replace as necessary. Painting is one of the most inexpensive fixer-uppers, and it beautifies at the same time. So if you want to get more years out of your fences and your decks, give them an extra coat of paint and Make sure you do it on a day when it isn't rainy or windy so that it'll dry quickly and last longer. Uh, screens. If you have uh, windows, screens, you need, this is the time of year to clean the windows and the door screens, patch any holes, and replace the screening. Any broken hardware, the same thing. You want to replace it and tighten and lubricate those door hinges and the closers. What about your hot water heater? Open the spigot near the bottom to drain out sediment that builds up because that's going to lengthen the water heater's life and it'll cut your energy bill. And if you have air conditioning, I don't, but I know that in Arizona you definitely need it. So I think uh, all our Voice America people have it. This You've got to really check that AC compressor and make sure it has good airflow to work efficiently and uh, keep it away from plant growth blocking it. A lot of times you have a screen up of of plants or vines to cover those ugly air conditioners, but it can block the inductors. So make sure to get a, get those cleaned up. Then one other thing you may want to start checking is um, how safe your your living conditions are and how to prevent falls in your home. Uh, you know, falls are a leading cause of fractures and a tumble at any age can be painful and debilitating. I took a bad fall a couple of weeks ago on, on, in my garden on my hill because it was slick and my boots didn't have enough traction. And my back is still paying for it. It's getting better, but it's still paying for it. But here are some things in your house because you don't want to get a, you know, a fracture of any kind. In your bedroom, place a lamp, a nightlight, and a phone within easy reach. And for your bed, you want to be able to climb in and out of it. So don't have it so high or so low that it's difficult to do. Did you know 20% of all falls among older adults may be prevented through just simple home safety updates? And what uh, we should know is that falls actually happen more often to women than to men. 4% of adults ages 45 to 64 fall and hurt themselves badly enough that they have to go to, to a physician. And most falls at home take place around the tub or shower. So we got to be careful there. So let's talk about the bathroom because that's a real high-risk place. You want to have a non-skid strip or a rubber mat in your bath or your shower. And I'm talking about at any age now. I'm not talking about just if you're 40 or older. And install grab bars next to the toilet and in the tub. Uh, having a non-slip rug next to the shower or bathtub is going to be most helpful. And if you have marble or granite or a slippery surface, even tile down, 
be careful when it is wet. So you want to make sure to wipe any spills. Stairways can be a medium risk. So you definitely want to have handrails and in possibly you want to put a handrail on both sides. Repair broken steps and any loose carpet. Loose carpeting can really help you fall. And then install light switches at the top and the bottom of the stairs and a bulb that provides enough light to see all the stairs and all the landings. Now hallways, we don't think of hallways of having any risk, but you want to get rid of the junk in hallways that you could trip over, like books and shoes and papers or any other clutter. And again, if there isn't an overhead light to brighten the path, use some night lights or put even in uh, those tube lightings because you need to be able to see where you're going. In the, the uh, living area, the family room or living area, you don't want to have throw rugs or at least use non-slip backing tape underneath them and have a plenty of clear paths for walking. Keep all the cords against the wall. I know with all our technology, all our equipment today, we have so many cords. I just feel like I'm just power corded out. If I look right now at my, you know, at my desk, I don't know, there's hundreds of cords. And it takes me a while to untangle them all. But keep them away from a walking path because especially in low light, you, never, you really could hurt yourself. And kitchen, place items you use frequently within easy reach. Always clean up any spills. And buy a very sturdy step stool or step ladder with a bar to hold on to if you have high shelves to get to. Don't stand on chairs or swivel chairs because by doing that, you are going to just be asking for trouble. So those are a few tips for spring. And Again, when it comes to organization, this is the time to clean out your drawers and clean out your closets and get organized. And I think you'll be shocked at how much one drawer can hold. I spent about three hours in one of my business card and postcard drawer (laughs) just getting it organized. I didn't realize how many different uh, business cards I had and and, uh, postcards for different things. You know, I mean, I have six different ones for my books and I have them for my movies but just to organize everything so it's an easy reach. Now, just as a little final thing, I got a really um, interesting uh, information from Libby Gill, who's been on the show and who is an author um, as well. And she had it, she was talking about how uh, Sheryl Sandberg, the storied CEO of Facebook, tells us to lean in. But Libby's idea is we need to walk through as opposed to leaning in because if if the only way we see the workplace working for women is if we figure out what we want as individuals and then we have to demonstrate our value so definitively it's impossible not to give it to us so these were a few strategies to stop banging our head against walls and start walking through those open doors and this was all for women be great at what you do so it's hard to turn you down When you make it worth a company's time to support your needs, you'll be a lot more inclined to help you create a balance that works for you. It's a two-way street. And when you provide ongoing excellence, you're in the driver's seat. Invite the guys into the Women's Leadership Clubhouse. The sooner you bring men into the process, the sooner we'll all benefit. Request feedback. So often it becomes routine. Ramp up your confidence and have the courage to share tough truths. And, you know, have your male guys come to your events. And I think that's really important um, 
uh, information. Take a team approach. Research suggests that women leaders who advocate for their teams rather than themselves are viewed more positively in the, per- in the workplace. And recognize that plenty of men are facing the exact same issues as women. So women haven't cornered the market on the need for work-life balance. We all need it. And finally, share your passions and plans with others. Because once you decide what's right for you, your family, and however you define it, and your future, have the courage to share the strategies and how to get there. Because it's one thing that women and men want is we all want the path to leadership, but we want to have our home lives too. So thanks for being great listeners. I'm really glad that you are with us every week here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It's really fun and encouraging to be your personal growth success coach. For more information about Star Style, visit star-style.com. You can always call our studio, 925-377-7827 to book a consultation. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are, go to bethestarur.org. And we are looking for sponsors now for our Moraga Fair. Until next week, when we party again on this playground, remember that love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, and I'm thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Until next week. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program. Star Style, be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.